G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Bless each other by this simple remedy. Give them something to live up to, not to live down to. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue to hear about the power of a blessing. Blessing is defined as being uniquely valued by those you love and value. But what happens when we don't receive blessings growing up? And I started thinking about this, wait a minute. This story sounds familiar. The best father of all time, God, when his son was baptized, said, this is my beloved son. I love him. With whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of him. Listen to him. He's a really good teacher. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue the power of a blessing. Now listen, folks, I do have a point. You just got to stay with me. There's a road that a lot of us are on, and it's the road of dressing up like somebody we're not. It's the road of manipulating circumstances around to get what we want, and everybody's miserable around us. To get off that road and to reroute, there's something you have to do. But before I give you that, and you find it in the text, which is why it's so beautiful, can I tell you what, first of all, to please do now so the next generation doesn't experience this? Number one, bless your children. Please. When I had my daughter, Sion, I read a book by James Dobson that told me three things every father should say to his daughter. And if you don't get anything out of this, fathers, then this, take this. And I've tried to say this to my daughter from the time she was very young. Three things. Number one, Sion, I love you. Number two, you're beautiful. Number three, you have what it takes to be successful in this world. And I've spoken those words to her since she was about four years old. Now, as I said, I've made a lot of mistakes as a parent. We'll talk about those in another time. But one thing that I've done well is this, and it has forgiven a multitude of sin. Let me tell you what happens when a father does this. I've seen the byproducts of what happens when you speak these words, because I have a daughter who's very confident and very independent, and she doesn't need a man. And she doesn't need a man because her father told her all the words that she needed to hear. Now the time will come when she'll fall in love and she'll marry, but to marry my daughter is gonna be hard to do. (laughs) And you better come with words of affirmation. I've also noticed that we know in the past by surveys or or kind of like tests that have been done, social tests, we know that daughters who are affirmed by their fathers They tend to marry later in life because they don't marry the first guy who comes around and gives them flowery language. Where that daughters who are not affirmed by their fathers, the first guy that comes along and affirms them, they tend to marry and they tend to make a poor choice because they want to get out of the situation they're in and find somebody that will affirm them. Now, they don't always make a poor choice. They don't always, but sometimes, oftentimes they do. Now, I mentioned this 
a few uh, months ago and Dane Johnson called me out on this. He said, well, what about your son? Well, what about my son? My son Delaney. Three things I say to him. Delaney, I love you. Delaney, I'm proud of you. And Delaney, you're really good at, and then fill in the blank. Those three things I've said to him. Here's what I've noticed about Delaney. Anybody who knows him around this church will tell you he's a good kid, that he's a leader, he's a quiet leader, but he's very sure of himself, very confident, not arrogant or prideful, but very confident. And he makes wise choices in who he dates and the decisions he makes every day. And that's because he knows that he's loved, that his father's proud of him, and that he's good at something. And I started thinking about this, wait a minute. This story sounds familiar. The best father of all time, God, when his son was baptized, said, this is my beloved son. I love him. With whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of him. Listen to him. He's a really good teacher. Bless your children. Second, bless each other. Stay with me now. Bless each other. There's a story that's told in Oahu, in Hawaii, back in the olden days, as my son would say. There was a, a, a farmer on the island of Oahu had two daughters. The older daughter was rather plain, simple. The younger daughter was beautiful, astonishing. In those days, in order to get the daughter of someone, you had to give at least three cows. That was the going rate, three cows. If she was special, four cows. If she was really something else, five cows, but that's about the limit. This farmer has these two daughters, and one day, Johnny Ringo came riding into town. The wealthiest man in the territory. And the old farmer knew that he was coming for his younger daughter. And he thought, oh man, I'm going to get at least five cows for this. He almost had a heart attack when Johnny Lingo said, no, I'm here for the older daughter. Not only that, I'm going to give you 10 cows for her. 10 cows. And the old farmer almost had a heart attack and immediately he called for the tribal chief to do the wedding before Johnny changed his mind. And they did the wedding. He got his 10 cows. They left the village and it's custom that two years after the marriage, they would return to the village to reconnect. And the watchman saw from a distance and he recognized immediately it was Johnny Lingo and he's coming back. But he didn't notice or recognize the woman he was with until he got right up close. It dawned on him, wow, that is the older daughter, but she's beautiful. She's extravagant. There's such a, a class to her. She's elegant. And it began to dawn on the watchman, man, maybe she was worth 10 cows. And the moral that comes out of that story is this, simple one. If you treat a pauper like a queen, she'll become a queen. If you treat a queen like a pauper, she'll become a pauper. If you treat a king like a peasant, he'll become a peasant. But if you treat a peasant like a king, he'll become a king. (laughs) Bless each other by this simple remedy, give them something to live up to, not to live down to. Treat them as the princess or the king or the prince that they are in the eyes of God and they'll actually become that. That goes with your children, your husband, your wife, and everybody that you know. Third, forgive your parents. All right, now this is gonna be hard. Everybody in this room, to some degree, felt that you did not get the affirmation that you deserved or needed. 
few and far between. But there's some of you in the room right now, you're thinking, Jeff, you've got no idea about my childhood. You've got no idea. You're right, I don't. But I know there's a lot of young girls in here that wish desperately their father would have affirmed them. There's a lot of young men that desperately wish their mother and father would have said, you've got what it takes to make it in this world. But you were told you were a loser. You were told you don't have what it takes. And you felt like you were an embarrassment to your mom and to your dad. And the only way you can reroute and get on the road that, if, that will heal you, that will stop bringing you down and everybody else around you, is if first of all, you forgive your mom and dad. Forgive them. Perhaps they didn't have a good example either. And perhaps you can be the first one to break the cycle because if you don't forgive them, guess what? You're gonna end up being just like them to your children. And you won't even know it till it's too late. Don't wait till it's too late, which is what my younger brother Tony did. See, the thing with Tony is he wanted to hurt my mom, but he always assumed that one day reconciliation would be made and he would get the blessing. What he did not anticipate is that my mom would die young. And so we all got a call to the hospital saying that our mother had gone into or had a cardiac myopathy and the chances were very poor that she would live. And we got to the hospital just in time when they removed the machine and mom took her last breath and she died. I looked around the room for my brother Tony and I couldn't find him. It was about 2 a.m. I went out into the hospital parking lot, looked everywhere, could not find him, started walking through the hospital corridors. And I found my 36-year-old brother Tony wrapped up in a ball like a little child in the womb. And I saw him and I said, Tony, what are you doing? And he looked at me and he said, Jeff, my mommy's dead. My mommy is dead. And he had to live with that for the rest of his life. Forgive before it's too late. And you've got something else you've got to deal with. In the story of Jacob and Esau, none of it ended well. Jacob runs for his life. Esau's angry and bitter and wants to kill Jacob. Rebecca sends Jacob away to save his life and she will never see him alive again. The one she loved and doted on, she'll never see again. And Isaac died with a broken heart. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is reminding us we shouldn't seek the blessing of others by trying to be someone we're not. This is the power of a blessing. Which leads me to the fourth and final. If you're gonna reroute and get on the road that leads to life, now, let me take a deep breath. I just want to make sure you don't, it's almost over. Sermon's almost over. But you've got to hear this. You've, everybody, you've got to hear this. The only way you can reroute is to trust in the providence of God. And that's not something I just made up. It's in the story. Verse 33, Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed he will be blessed. Robert Alter takes this passage, that great scholar of the Hebrew narrative and says this, there is a direct, a long pause between I blessed him. And then Isaac says, and behold, he will be blessed indeed. And Robert Alder says at that moment, it dawned on Isaac, the prophecy that had been made to Rebekah, his wife, that the younger or that the older will serve the younger. And Isaac realizes he's been fighting against God all of his life, that God had already seen down into the future and noticed that all the things that would happen to Jacob would make Jacob the perfect one through whom the Messiah would come. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. 
God was able to look into the future and see all the things that would happen to Jacob and take those things and realize that that would make Jacob the perfect candidate through whom the Messiah would come, the child of blessing, the child of promise. Do you realize what this text says? It says this, that because Jacob felt abandoned by his earthly father, it catalyzed something in him to seek his heavenly father. And when he saw his heavenly father, he found him. And everything that he's ever been looking for, he finds in his relationship with God. And we're going to discover that in the next few weeks. That not in spite of, but because of these things. Because Jacob felt lost, he sought God that he might be found. Because of all these things that happened to Jacob in his childhood, they end up being the rich soil in which God would grow a man of faith and trust and give him the firstborn blessing. Folks, do you understand what I'm saying? That sometimes in our lives, God hides so that we will seek. And when we seek, we will find and we will find everything for which our heart has been longing. That our parents never could have given us really in the first place. Some of it, yes, but ultimate affirmation, ultimate love, ultimate blessing can only come from our heavenly father. And Jacob learned that. And he will have a relationship with God where he wrestles with the angel of the Lord and he sees the stairway to heaven. Man. Not in spite of, but because of. That tells you parents that if you blew it, okay, you blew it, but God can still use your kids. And if your parents blew it, God can still use you, not in spite of, but because of the things that happened to you. Make you perfect to seek God for what you're really looking for and God to use you to change the world. Man, I love that. It's it's hope, man. It's a real hope. As a matter of fact, doesn't the Bible say that Jesus is the firstborn? He is the firstborn of all creation. Man, do you see what? The gospel's all through the Old Testament. Why, Why does he say that? Because God had a firstborn and he was the son of blessing. But what did the son of blessing do? He came down to the cross. And when he's on the cross, he doesn't say, Father, He says, my God, my God. Why did he change his tone? Because at that moment when he's on the cross, what did he do? He gave up the rights of the firstborn so that you and I could have them. He put on our clothes. He dressed up like somebody else so that you and I could have robes of righteousness and be accepted before the father. Like Rebecca, he said, that's okay, God. Let the curse fall on me so that they can receive the blessing of the firstborn. The gospel's all through the Old Testament narratives, time and time again. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we're the church of the firstborn. How can everybody be the firstborn? (laughs) And the meaning is this, that the love you receive from the Father when you come to him makes you feel like you're the only one in the world. That we are all 10 cow people in the eyes of God. Now, let me tell you how this story ends, because it ends well. The story with my brother ends very well, and this is how I want to end. And I wouldn't have told you the story had it not ended well. After my mom died, my brother Tony made his peace, first of all, with God, and he found in a relationship with Jesus something he'd never found before, and it started a cycle that we are all impressed with, all of his brothers. First of all, he forgave his mom because he realized how much God had forgiven him. He blessed my father before my father died. He found himself. He stopped putting on the persona of what he thought everybody wanted him to be. 
And that thing that was inside him from the time he was a young man came out. My brother went out and bought a video of how to make guitars out of wood. Who can do that? He started making guitars. He created a little shop in his shack. Started importing wood from New Zealand, Australia, and around the world to make these prize guitars. And now, today, my brother, Tony Vines, is one of the top five luthiers in the United States. And every year goes to San Francisco to the Luthier Convention. A luthier is someone who makes handcrafted guitars, and you two can have one for seven to nine thousand dollars. <laughs> Clay Walker, other country music musicians play his guitars. When you see a V on the end of the guitar, you'll know it's a Vines guitar. His website, Tony Vines Guitars, gets hit after hit. He sells more guitars to Japan than any other nation. He found that he had the ability to be creative that had been hiding. And when he decided to be who he really was, it paid huge dividends. He's also been interviewed by National Public Radio because he's one of the few finger-picking style guitarists in our nation. And he got to talk about how you play a guitar with the, the good old Southern finger-picking style. And he actually played songs for them. He's all, he also discovered he's a songwriter. So now he's got his fifth CD out of music all original by him that he's written. But here's my favorite part about my brother. My brother genuinely believes that the sovereign hand of God was on him all his life to make him into the person he's now become. Because you know what my brother does now? He travels all around America performing for Celebrate Recovery groups. About four months ago, he was right here on this stage performing for the Celebrate Recovery group here at Christ Church of the Valley. I saw him. I was so proud of him. It's not easy to overcome what he's overcome, but he has. And you can too. Now that is a good story. Father, I thank you so much for the power found in the word Jacob, Esau, Isaac, Rebecca, how you take people who just blow it and you take families that are dysfunctional in hopes that it will catalyze something in us to seek outside of ourselves and our family something that we're desperately longing for. Words of affirmation, the rights and privileges of the firstborn. And I pray that we would recognize no matter how much we fight, no matter how much we put on a different persona, no matter how much we try to manipulate the circumstances around us, we will never get the blessings of the firstborn until we go to God in Christ who came to the cross and dressed up like us so that we may wear the robes of righteousness and enter into an eternal relationship with God our Father whose love is unconditional, who accepts us, loves us, receives us by grace. In Jesus' name, we are thankful. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of the power of a blessing. No matter the state of our lives, God can use our circumstances to draw us to Him and to bless us. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. I
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 